Romans chapter 14. We'll read verses 4 and 5 this morning. We've read through the entire chapter a few Sundays ago, and uh, we've read the preceding verses a couple of times. Uh, But verses number 4 and 5 will be our focus, the Lord willing, this morning. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another man esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Let's go ahead and read verse number 6. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and God and giveth God thanks also. So, the, the main thought this morning is found in um, the phrase there, God, in verse number 4, the end of verse number 4, God is able to make him stand. How is he going to be held up? God's able to make him stand. So that's our thought this morning. Last week we kind of looked at it from that standpoint of God's received him. If God's received him, why don't you? Why can't you? You know, if God's received him, why can't you? I didn't hear what you said, brother, sorry. He will stand. He will stand, stand, right. So um, let's go once again to the Lord in prayer so that maybe I'll be able to stand and speak to you. Uh, Brother J.T., would you pray for us, brother? Yes. Yes. Seated during one of our meetings many 
years ago, I needed to return to the parsonage for something. I don't remember what it was. Um, probably something for breakfast or one of the meals that we were providing for all the people that had come to the meeting. And one of the visiting pastors that we had asked to preach, his, um, one of his younger sons wanted to go with me. It's a distance short enough to walk. I mean, most of you know the parsonage is that next building up there on the right. But um, faster to get in the car and drive over there. So we did. When we got to the end of the drive, I told him, I said, let's put on our seatbelts. He kind of looked at me like, I can see the mailbox right there. It's just the next driveway. He didn't actually verbalize that. But um, he said, really? We said, we need to put on our seatbelts. It's just a little ways. He said, and I said, yeah. I said, uh, was it Benjamin or Jonathan? Jonathan? Probably Jonathan. I said, um, I said, what's right is right, whether it's a few feet or a few hundred miles, you know. And he's brought it up to me before. It kind of kind of stuck with him, you know. Um, one man said this. He said about something else similar. He said it's a small thing. But the Lord said, if we cannot be faithful in little things, how can he trust us with big things? So what is it but simple obedience, you know, to the Lord? Uh, A desire not to please ourselves, but to please him. Um, If, just ask the question, if I had not had my seatbelt on Heath and a sheriff had driven by, could he, if he saw that I didn't have one on, could he have written me a ticket for it? You know, yeah. Well, let's back up in our thoughts to Romans 13. What did we find there? As far as the, the authorities that there are, they've been, they've been placed there by God. And if we disobey them, we are disobeying him. As long as, you know, we made it a point when we were going through that, that the civil authorities aren't commanding something or demanding something of us that God's word you know God's word pl- plainly says that we are or are not to do but if it's not in that realm in that category then we are to you know um and I don't want to get back into that whole you can go back and listen to those messages we talked about a lot when we went through that but in in, in essence um but if we don't do the thing that that the Lord's called us to do then it grieves our hearts it offends our consciences, and it dishonors, you know, him. It may look like you think about that seatbelt, and I don't know how far is that from this driveway to that, 100 yards, I don't know. Um, it may look like legalism to some, but we're not going about doing that to establish that as a means of our salvation. We're just seeking to simply obey, you know, the Lord. Um, So in these things that we have been discussing, those are the dangers, though. You have have two dangers that I can see. There's legalism, and then there's antinomianism. You've got those two directions that you can go. I mean, the pendulum can swing, you know, that far. You know, we've got to stay, you know, on the horse. We can't fall off on one side or on the other. Um, We do these things as unto the Lord. Um, and, and just for the benefit of those who have not been with us, and if you haven't listened to the preceding messages here in Romans 14, what we've been talking about are things that, that aren't necessarily things that are commanded in Scripture, 
but things that, that, that aren't, things that we find outside of Scripture, decisions that we have to make, things that we do, don't do, um, and how that we act and interact with one another in regards to those things. A weaker brother, in essence, as we looked at these verses, these preceding verses, may not be able to eat something that the stronger brother could, and so the stronger is called to receive and accept and help and be patient and love, you know, the weak. So in, in a nutshell, I guess that's, that kind of helps maybe to describe what we've been talking about. But, um, you know, antinomianism is, is an abuse of Christian freedom, right? Have you heard that word before? And so what, what verse of Scripture could we maybe use to define that? Paul said, shall I sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You know, those would have been the people that says, well, if Paul, if this whole grace thing that you're talking about is a reality, then we can just sin as much as we want to because God has to, has to let us off the hook. Well, that's the thing. If you're a Christian, that's not your heart. You don't want to sin. I'm not saying that you don't, but if you do, you know, you're, you're heavy-hearted. You're grieved. The Spirit's grieved within you because of the sin that you've committed. You do realize, those of you that have been Christians for whatever length that you've been, you do realize that the world doesn't feel that way about sin. Right? The world doesn't think that way about sin. The world isn't grieved over their sin. They might be ashamed that they got caught if it's a, not a social norm, you know, but... but um, you know, they don't, they're not grieved over sin. They're not troubled by sin. Um, that was the psalmist complaint in Psalm 72 or 73. I'm trying to remember. Um, they're not troubled like other men. You know, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have all their heart, you know, wants, desires, that kind of thing. Um, but there's no bands in their death, uh, so to speak, is what he, he talks about there. But, but um, you know, that's not the heart of a believer. The heart of a believer is to obey God. And if we don't do it, then... To use an older word, we smart, you know, for it, right? Um, our consciences are pricked, you know, because of it. Our consciences aren't void of offense uh, if we do uh, before God and before, you know, men. That was the thing that Paul said that he sought to do, right? He sought to live in that way with a conscience that was void of offense before God, you know, and before men. So that's, that's on the uh, antinomianism uh, side of things. But if we, if we go to the legalism side, you know, what's that look like? Well, that's a person who's really bound uh, up in, in, in a lot of rules, right? A lot of regulations, a lot of this and that. You can wear this, you can't wear that. It's got to be this long. If it's not that long, then you can't wear it. Um, you know, I've known people in churches that that uh, they were told all sorts of things. They had, they, I don't know, you remember how many rules they were? Even a guess? No? I mean, I don't know that there was a hundred, but, I mean, they were, they were printed out. I mean, you, you couldn't do this, you, and, you, and you, you couldn't do that. Just to touch not, taste not, handle not, you know, all those sorts of things. So we understand from a legalistic side uh, what, that, what that looks like. Um, it binds the freedom that grace gives so, but there's judgment on both sides, right? So if we go back, leaving off the legalism and the antinomianism, if we leave those things off and talk about it from the weak and the strong, there, there can be, we saw, we looked at this, there can be judgment from both sides. 
the stronger judging the weak, saying you're too restrictive, the weaker judging the stronger, saying you're too loose you know, in, in the way that you do things. You do things that I can't do. Um, so we, we saw that there's judgment you know, really from both directions. But verse 5 says, let every man be persuaded in his own mind. Right? So I may be able to do something that you're not able to do, or you may be able to do something that I'm not able to do, and the Scripture doesn't tell us that we are or not, are not to do that. So how do we treat one another? We talked about that already. We don't spend a lot of time there, you know, but the strong, again, in the very first verse, is to receive, is to bear with the weak, right? Uh, it's upon the strong to bear with the weak. In this instance, the, the burden is upon the stronger in that situation. So we're speaking, again, we can put it in these terms, of matters that are indifferent. They're not matters that are specific commandments. They're matters that are indifferent. And we used a lot of examples last week. Um, the very first one I used last week with you was, you know, to homeschool or not homeschool. Um, that's a lot. That's a big issue with a lot of parents. Um, I was talking to a fellow this week and, you know, to vaccinate or not vaccinate. Um, you know, there's lots of issues uh, that, that people face and that they, that they have to wrangle with. And, and everybody's got to be what? What does it say here? Convinced, fully persuaded in your own mind. And I don't need to make, this is where we kind of ended last week, I don't need to make my convictions, my personal convictions. Again, this is not Scripture. I don't need to make my personal convictions, I'll put it this way, a commandment for you. Uh, my personal conviction doesn't need to become a commandment for you. I don't need to feel like because I can't do something that you don't need to do it either uh, when the Scripture doesn't say one way or the other, right? Um, I do have another example to give you on that today, but it really, it's coming from the standpoint of God's able to make that weaker brother to be able to stand, um, as far as that goes, when we think about the whole standing issue, who's made any of us stand? Whether we're weak or strong. Where is, it, where is our standing? How do we stand? You know, where's the strength come from to stand? God's able to make us stand. Am I able to make you stand? Are you able to make me stand? Am I able to make me stand? You know, No. God's the one that makes us to be able to uh, stand. So we're dealing with these, these sort of issues that we see here uh, in regards to those who are weak in the faith. They have a personal conviction in an area because of maybe something that happened in their past, right? That they feel like they can't do this or that. It's a very strong conviction that they have. You may feel like that as a Christian, you have complete and total liberty to be able to do that, but they just cannot do it. And the temptation is to look down upon one another instead of Let's go back to our reference this morning. What were we talking about? Unity, the mountain, everybody's got to get to the top, right? So think about it in that way because the devil would love to be able to use this judgmental attitude that people can have towards one another in situations like that to do the exact opposite of unity and divide. The devil would love to use that to divide us, to cause factions, to even, I thought about, I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, you know, what, what do we, as far as the devil's concerned, when we see him in Scripture, you know, some of the things that we know about him, what is he? He's an accuser of the brethren. And if we start judging each other like that, then we become that. We become accusers of the brethren. Um, you know, we take on a role that, that is, he's known for. Um, that's what he's seeking after. So 
<clears throat> we ourselves become accusers. I thought about Matthew 7. Judge not. Yeah, the world wants to look at that as a wholesale do not judge. You know, they, they look at it as don't judge me. You know, I'm, I'm identifying, you know, as a man, even though I'm a woman or a woman, even though I'm a man, you know, don't judge me. The Bible says don't judge. Uh, well, it's not a wholesale, you know, uh, against judgment here. We've got to judge. You know, I got up this morning. I walked into my closet. I looked at all the, the trousers that were there, Brother Jerry, all the pants that were there. And I, I judged which one I was going to wear. Shirt, same thing. You know, I made a judgment. Uh, one pair on well, that was easy decision <laughs> that was an easy decision um, but judge not that you be not judged here's the thing what it says in verse number two for with what judgment you judge how are you in this area of being judgmental yes yes for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. So we got then we got the part that Brother JT's talking about where you got a speck, right? And what? A log, you know, or a beam, you know. And so here we're going around trying to point out all these specks. You got a speck, and you got a speck, and you got a speck, and we've got the people are like, who is he to say anything about specks in anybody? He's got a beam coming out of his eye. You know, that's, that's the whole, um, you know, thought there. But, you know, we may have a log in our own eye seeking to call attention to the speck in somebody else's. Um, and people are saying they need to look in the mirror themselves. You know, right? Uh, how about James 5, verse 9, similar. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. God's watching all this, you know, and I, you know, there's, my mom and dad have four sons, right? And if we start bickering and complaining and fighting amongst ourselves and they're watching, you know, they are not pleased. And I was talking to Ryan about this, um, know, what was that, Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. But um, I said, you know that if you and I got sideways about something right now, but all mom would have to do is say, hey. <laughs> and that would be the end of that, you know. Um, well, the Lord's saying, hey, this morning to all of us, you know, about the way that we think about these things. Um, Psalm 130, verse 3 says, and this is, you know, you're thinking about going around pointing out specks, right? Well, Psalm 130, verse 3 says, if thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? You know, I mean, how many things are there, you know, in us, about us? Um, you know, do you have trouble, you know, losing your temper? Do you have trouble, you know, with wanting, you know, this and, 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 and you know, really coveting something that you don't have or, you know, whatever, you know, the, the case may be. The Lord knows all that. It's all naked and open before him. He sees it all. Our hearts are laid bare. And if he were to go around and start saying, well, here's this, here's that, here's this, here's that, and then how about that? How about this? You know, as we've been looking at these things, you know, I've had to look back and think about things as I'm sitting here studying and meditating upon this. I've had to think about things in my past, you know, that I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry, you know, because I was really judgmental in that, in that circumstance. Um, you know, I, I really shouldn't have, have, have reacted that way. I shouldn't have thought that way. I shouldn't have said that thing, um, you know, to that, that person. 
So it's, it's fearful to think the Lord using our standard of judgment, you know, against us um, in, in our own lives. But um, this is the illustration I wanted to get to. Um, I read this week of a man who became convinced that playing ping pong was sin. Now, how could ping pong be sin, right? I mean, that's what you want to think about first. Well, the problem was that he got, he got so caught up in it. He became so addicted. It's hard to imagine, again, becoming addicted to ping pong. But that's me because I have no affinity towards ping pong, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> yeah, but he became so addicted to the point that his family suffered for it. And his job suffered for it as a result. For him, ping pong did become sin. But does that mean that the rest of us, ping pong is a sin for us? No, absolutely not. Um, Does that mean that, that he has license now to set up a prohibition against ping pong? No, he does not. Uh, There's nothing inherently evil about ping pong. But anything we can become consumed by, can't we? Um, and, and there's things that we have an affinity towards, maybe more than somebody else does. And we can become controlled by it. Um, you know, we can, it can become an idol, you know, to us. Um, even, even not possessing it can be idolatry, right? Because the Bible says covetousness. They don't even have it. They just want it. And it becomes idolatry, you know, to them. But, you know, anything can consume us. Um, You know, I I think about, you know, cutting off and plucking out. uh, It's better to enter into the kingdom maimed, you know. It's better for this man to never play ping pong than to play ping pong, right? So he cut it off. And and right that he should, you know, because it had become such to him. And it's not a problem for us, but it was a problem for him. So when he comes over to the house, I don't need to invite him to play a game of ping pong, right? If I know that's been an issue, you know, with him. We talked about that too. Um, but think about it from in this, in this way. Could God use ping pong in a person's life as a means of sanctification? In, in more areas than ping pong. Because now we've seen, I've got a real problem with ping pong. Well, wait a second. I've got a problem over here too. And it may not be as big a problem as the ping pong, but boy, that could become one. That could become as big as ping pong has. I don't want to leave off the ping pong and that become the thing that took its place. You know, I want Christ to have the preeminence, you know, in my, in my, my life and in my walk. So, um, you know, God's taken things like that in our own lives and used them, hasn't he? Um, you know, I, I had aspirations of, of becoming certain things when I was a kid, and I'm glad the Lord didn't allow that. Um, I talked a little bit of that, about that last week, I think. But, but um, has God not taken the, the little things and the great things that have made up our experience and used them for his purposes and for his glory? Um, shown us ping pong has become a real problem in your life, or this has become a real problem in your life, or that's become a real problem in your life. We've seen a lot of things that relate to it, and, and we're like, Lord, I need to, I don't, that doesn't have to be a part of me. I can jettison that. I can throw that out of the ship. I don't need that to be able to sail. Um, you know, that can go. Um, but again, 
he doesn't need, the man with the ping-pong problem doesn't need to turn his conviction into a commandment for the rest of us, but the Lord can use it as a means of sanctification. Through it all, maybe we've seen the ping-pong problem for a long time. We've seen his, before he was able to see it, we saw his wife suffering. We saw his children suffering. You know, we saw, we saw his job suffering. I mean, he was about to lose his job. He was about to lose his wife. He was about to lose his family. You know, we've seen these, and maybe we've tried to talk to him about it. We've tried to have a discussion. What we don't want to do is for that thing to become an argument, right? Leave it in the territory of discussion. Don't let it become an argument. Why? Because if you let it become an argument, he is going to try to fortify all of his positions and he's going to become obstinate. And you're going to lose the opportunity to be able to have inroads, you know, into his life. Pray for him. Speak to him as the Lord allows. But speak the truth, you know, like we said before, in love. Be compassionate. That could be you. You could have a problem with ping pong. Now, this is weird for Sister Carolyn because she just got it. Why are we talking about ping pong? Um, where is that in Scripture? Um, but um, don't let it escalate to that point. It's great to have a discussion. Uh, it's, 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 and, and ask the Lord before we have that discussion to open that person's heart. I mean, it could be something much more serious than ping pong, and it has to become an issue where, you know, I've got to go with another brother after I've gone and speak, spoken to him myself, and then it ends up becoming something because he doesn't want to, you know, hear. It becomes something before the whole church, you know. Um, so, you know, we need to consider what we're being told here. What are we being told? I mean, the second thing we're being told here, God's able to receive, but also we say here that God's able to make him stand. Uh, so this is what we're praying. God, help him to stand uh, above this thing. Help him to stand apart from this thing. Uh, help him to stand and to be what you've called him to be as a father, what you've called him to be as a husband, what you've called him to be as, as an employee. You know, there's, 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 I, I have, I'm at a point in my life right now, I've never really been in this place except when there's been a hurricane. When I worked at the insurance office, a hurricane came through, uh, or when COVID came through, they sent us home and we worked from home. But I'm in a position right now where I've um, the longest stretch of time that I can remember where I'm, I'm working from home. I'm, I'm there every day. But I'm expected to get a certain you know, amount of work done, right? It's easy to become distracted, you know, but that's not my heart. That's not what I want. I, I'm seeking to please the Lord, not, not my brothers, not my dad, not my mom. I'm seeking to please the Lord, you know, in this thing. And so here we're praying for this guy that's got this problem. You know, whatever it is, put something else in there besides ping pong. Um, again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about things that are not things that we read in Scripture that say, thou shalt not or thou shalt. You know, these are things the Scripture doesn't really say, whether we should play ping pong or not play ping pong. Now, we, knew, we know this became an issue for him. It became sin. And at that point, we're probably going to have to say something. I mean, again, his family's suffering. His wife's come to us and says, you've got to do something here. You know, my, my husband has a real addiction. Well, what's he addicted to? You know, don't laugh when she says it. Ping pong. 
Um, you know, that's, that's not something you expect somebody to say that somebody's addicted to, right? Ping pong. Uh, but it could be pool. It could be anything. Um, it could be a number of things. And, it, and we look at Scripture and we're like, well, the Scripture doesn't say anything, you know, about playing ping pong. Well, let me tell you why it's a problem. Well, okay, sister, how, why is it a problem? He doesn't go to work. He doesn't come home. He's on the on the road, you know, all the time playing in tournaments. You know, he's he's trying to become a world champion. Well, if he's white, he's gonna have a real problem because those Asian guys, I've seen them play ping pong. Uh, I don't think I could return a serve from some of those guys. Um, but you can see what I'm saying how it could become a real issue that that it would require involvement. Um, but again. You know, maybe I'm the person that had the problem with ping pong, and I've, I've laid it aside. I've put it aside. But Jerry plays ping pong. You know, well, you know, I don't, I don't need to go to Jerry and say, you don't need, there's some real dangers here. Let me tell you about the dangers of ping pong. You know, you're going to win? <laughs> and why you don't need to be playing ping pong ever again. You need to sell your paddles. You need to sell all your little, little ping pong balls um, and sell the table. You know, because it can be, you know, and you don't, nobody in the church needs to play ping pong. You know, it, it can't become that. Yeah, you're going to win? You, you, you sound competitive, brother. <laughs> you sound very competitive. Um, but God's able to make that person stand. Here, I can't play it. But God's able to make Brother Jerry to be able to stand, you know, and, and have a ping pong table. I can't have one, but he may be able to uh, have one. So, that brother had to cut it out of his life. And God's able to make him stand without it. I mean, there's some things you may think, I can't do without that. You addicted to anything? Anybody? Anybody drink sodas? <laughs> Your daughter's pointing at your body. Can you do without them? Um, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just using that as an illustration because we know what it's like for, you know, coffee or... Or, uh, sorry, Mom, I looked at you when I said coffee. <laughs> Don't talk about coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anything, we, we know what it's like. I've, I've got to have that. Um, you know, and if I don't drink the cup of coffee, what's going to happen? I'm going to get a headache because I hadn't had my caffeine today, you know, if you're drinking the caffeinated version, you know, of it. Um, you know, I've, I've tried real hard to steer Andrew away from the monsters and the um, I'm not talking about in your closet. I'm talking about, you've seen those drinks, right? Yeah. Um, Rockstar, I can't think of all of them. I've never had one, but Red Bull, right? I mean, that's, that's, some, that's some pretty strong caffeinated you know, type stuff that I guess you could get really addicted to. But, but you know what? If I stop drinking caffeinated drinks, do I need to make that an edict and a law of the land that nobody can drink caffeinated drinks? No, that's not right. You know, maybe it's maybe I can't drink them. Maybe it became a real problem. I was listening to a pastor this week that he was saying, if you only get five hours of sleep and you need eight, and because you only get five hours of sleep, you're grumpy and you're irritable and you're hard to be around and you make everybody else's life suffer because you only got five hours of sleep, he said, it's a sin for you not to get eight. Now, I'm not saying that if you can't sleep, that's different. But I'm not talking about you. Yeah. But he was saying that he was just using that as an illustration of what can become sin. 
That can become sin to a person. If, you, if your body needs that eight hours so that you aren't difficult for everybody to be around, then get your eight hours of sleep, you know. Uh, if that means you have to go to bed earlier at night, you know, to get it instead of staying up and playing games or watching TV or whatever it is, you know, don't make everybody else suffer, you know. Quit drinking caffeine so you can go to sleep. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And so if we're in that situation and we're having those difficulties, what are we going to do? What if I'm having a problem with ping pong? You know, we go to the Lord. The Lord's able to make a stand, right? He's able to make a stand. Um, he's the one that said unto us that he will not let sin have dominion over us. So if we see something as sin, Lord, let not this thing have dominion over me. I've got a real problem here. And it's got, it's got, a, it's got a hold upon me. It's, it's got me in its clutches, and I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. The Lord would rescue us from it. I told you I was listening this week to... Um, uh, there's been a discussion in my house about whether it's Joni or Johnny, but however you want to say it. Johnny, Joni, Eric, Santata. Um, she was at... I don't know if you... Do you know what the Sing Conference is? Do you know who Keith and Christian Getty are? You may not, but... There was, a, there was a conference, and she was at it, and she spoke. Um, and I was thinking about her in regards to the Lord being able to make us stand, right? You, if you know anything about her, you know how that she became um, a paraplegic, right? You, you know how that happened? She, was, she dove into the water, shallow water, and, and that happened to her. And she was, you know, if you watch the film on her life, you know, then you see when she was a young girl, you know, the, the doctors were like, well, this is probably just temporary and then it became a permanent situation, you know, and she was in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. But thinking about God being able to make a stand, God rescued her. Can you imagine if you were in that position, how that you could be, how that you could drown. Now, I know that she could have drowned physically because she was floating face down, you know, in the water after that happened. But you realize how that you could drown in sorrow. You could, you could drown in despair, in a sea of despair, in a position like that. Um, be in a place without hope and just really wanting to give up. I mean, you could be in that place. Um, the things that happened to her would have been enough, you know, certainly to do that, you know, to her. Um, you know, you don't have to drown at sea, right? You can drown on dry land. And a lot of different things you can drown in. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful for her testimony because she could have drowned in the pain. She could have drowned in the sorrows. She could have drowned in the disability. She could have drowned in the crushing waves of all those things coming down you know, upon her in defeat and misery. But what beauty God brought about in her life and, and, and how the Lord has used her you know, in so many different people's lives, whether they were disabled or not disabled, um, what a wonderful life God has brought about, you know, in her. And she would be the first to tell you, it's not me, it's God. You know, I, I would have been destroyed. Um, I would have been a miserable human being, even though the Scripture says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I would have been a miserable human being that nobody would have wanted to be around. Um, you know, you could even make yourself so miserable that you begin, your life begins to stink to your parents. You know, he brought you into this world. 
you know, and who love you, you know, maybe as a child, you know, I'm not thinking about, you know, that you get older in life and you got a relationship with a husband and wife, but, you know, as a child, love you more than any other person upon the face of the earth. But your life can begin to stink, you know, even unto them, you know, as a result of how uh, awful, you know, that you could become. Um, but I would gladly, I was thinking about this, I would gladly put her up against any prosperity preacher. You know, all the health and wealth gospel people, put her up against, you know, them. Um, and here's this life that her body has just been wrecked and ravaged, you know, as it were, by disability. And yet she praises God for it. Um, yet she, she's not sitting there, you know, being told, um, you know, you're in this position because you don't have enough faith. You know, if you had enough faith, then, and she went through that. I don't know if any of you have watched the documentary on her life, but she went through a relationship with a person who was bound and determined that, that she was going to be healed if they just had enough faith. You know, she, she, she went through that set of circumstances, you know, in, in her walk, um, but gladly put her up against these people who think that gaining things in this life somehow equates godliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gain is godliness, right? That's what the scripture says. That's what they think. Um, that health and wealth are the best conditions to be sought after above all else. I've, I've told you how many times that I've, I've knelt down beside Anna's bed, you know, with her when she first started having those headaches and prayed with her. I'm like, the Lord has a purpose here. And I don't know, you know, I can't tell you what it is, but the Lord's in control here. The headache's not in control. The doctors aren't in control. Um, but God is. And we're going to seek him to bring whatever good out of this that he chooses to bring out. And you could see Joni in that same place, right? I mean, you see her thinking those same thoughts. Uh, <clears throat> how was she going to conquer the depression? How was she going to conquer the despair? It's only one way. The Lord was able to make her stand. He's the one that caused her to be able to stand. How is ping pong not going to have dominion over us? God's going to make us stand. So, God's able to make us stand and, and have a, a good conscience, you know, before Him. Um, you may see someone that you consider to be weak in the faith. You may think of that person, and we actually put it in these terms last week. You may think of that person, it's not looking good for you, you're not going to make it. You're just too weak. It's not going to happen. Um, we're being told here, God is able to make them stand. You're not able. You may think they're not going to make it, but God's the one who's able to make them stand. Again, it's by his power that any of us stand. You know, who makes you to differ from another, right? I mean, Donnie brought up not long ago about those who, you know, weak in the faith and those who are stronger, you know, in the faith. You know, he made that a point as we were speaking about some of these things. Why is the stronger strong? You know, why is the weaker weak? You know, the Lord has them in the different places that they are, you know, for a reason. Now, there's a purpose in it. I can't see it all. I don't know it all. You can't see it all. You don't know it all. But God does, and he's able to make them stand. Um, what are we to do? Come alongside, encourage, be patient, love. Um, 
don't get divisive, don't get judgmental, you know, don't, don't bring those things to the table, have the discussion, don't let it become an argument. Um, these are the, the places that we need to stand with them as God makes them stand. Acts 17, verse 28, what Paul say? In him we live and we move and we have our being. He's the one that makes us to stand. You may think you stand, but what does the Scripture say? Behold, those of you who think you stand, behold, lest you what? Take heed, those who think you stand, lest you fall, right? How strong was Peter? When the Lord plainly said to him, you are going to deny me. I will die first. He was strong, right? He thought he was strong. But there the Lord was. What was he doing? Praying for him. Behold, Peter, Satan has sought to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Doesn't that fit with him making us stand? I mean, we, we sang a hymn about the Lord interceding on our behalf earlier. I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. I mean, you think about being overthrown. You think about being, you know, conquered by despair after Peter had denied the Lord three times. How do you recover from something like that? I mean, the last time you, in one of the accounts of the gospel, you, you read where the last time Peter denies the Lord, the Lord could see him. The Lord looked upon Peter. How do you recover from something like that? How do you come back from such a place? Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you recover, Peter failed fantastically in front of everybody, but they had all failed, right? They ran, you know. When you recover, strengthen the brethren. Would, would he be a, able to strengthen them? You know, having failed so fantastically, so publicly, You know, when they were being troubled by less of a failure and they see Peter recovered, you know, yeah, he would be able to strengthen them. His power is the power that is keeping us. He's the reason why our walk is not being overthrown. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Verse 24 says, Though he fall." He shall not be utterly cast down. Ping Pong didn't destroy that brother. He recovered from it. For the Lord upholdeth him with his own hand. I'll keep reading because this this was mentioned earlier. I have been young and now I'm old. And this is the context, isn't it? Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. And then he goes on to say, I have been young, now am I old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. He is ever merciful. What a God. He's ever merciful. Ever merciful. And lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. You hear that? He doesn't forsake his saints. You know, Peter might have thought, well, the Lord's forsaken me. The Lord's abandoned me. The Lord's done with me. I denied him three times. How could he have any use for me anymore? He forsaketh not his saints. They are, anybody know the next word? Preserved forever. Preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. 
Let's go back to that word preserve again. Psalm 121 verse 7 says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. Not just some evil, but all evil. Sin shall not have dominion over thee, right? He shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. So it's not just we were saved. You run along now and you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You're on your own. No. We do have that verse of Scripture and we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, but we are not on our own, are we? He preserves our going in and our coming out from this time forth even forevermore. That sounds a whole lot like Philippians 1, verse 6, doesn't it? Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, what? Will perform it, how long? To the end. How long? Till the day of Jesus Christ. Till the end. Isn't that something? Right up until the time of his return and beyond right? We'll be kept. He'll be working in us to will and to do after his good pleasure all that time. From this time forth, even forevermore, right? All the way to the end. I was listening to a message this week that had this title, Saved for Eternity. That fits with what we're talking about right there. I was thinking about that as I was, as I was um, writing down some of these passages. So it's not a salvation that we go into today and we can fall out of tomorrow, right? We don't go into it today and fall out of tomorrow. It's from this time forth all the way to the end, right? Not a salvation that we go into today out of tomorrow, not a regeneration today lost tomorrow, not a back and forth. Talk about ping pong, right? It's not a back and forth. We're in, we're out. We're back in again, we're out again. No, it's... We're talking about the perseverance of the saints. How is it that the saints persevere? Is it by their own strength, their own power, under your own steam? No, it's by the power of God. He's the one that causes us to persevere. And we look at a brother and we say, I just just don't see how they're going to make it. I'll tell you how they're going to make it. If they're the Lord's, he's going to cause them to be able to stand. They are going to be, they're going to make it. They're saved for eternity, right? They're his. They're kept in his hand who can pluck them out of that place you know what can separate us from the love of god this is what we're talking about here you know that going back and forth that's the opposite of the lord making you stand Um, the work which his goodness this is i was talking about poetry this morning i didn't preface this but i was reading this and it made it much more beautiful to me I hope it has the same impact upon you. But it says, The work which his goodness began, the arm of his strength will complete. His promise is yea and amen, and never was forfeited yet. Things future, nor things that are now, nor things or, nor all things below or above, can make him his purpose forego or sever my soul from his love. And that it's what we're talking about. What can separate us from the love of Christ? There's nothing that can. Uh, you know, we start things, we lose interest in them. Andrew and I built a doghouse, and it's, it's, it's complete, but it's sitting like this. I've, I need to go out there and level it up, you know. Um, but it's, it's kind of on an angle. 
And I haven't necessarily completely lost interest in it, but there's other things that have occupied my attention. I haven't made it back around you know, that again. But God doesn't lose interest. God doesn't start things and not finish them. He completes everything that he begins. So our brother's conscience may not be able to stand something that we can stand, but God's able to make him stand. God's able to make him stand. God started a work in him and will cause him to stand, though all the powers of hell be brought against him. Right? Though the gates of hell should come against us, we're going to be able to stand because he causes us to stand. I think about the hymn that we sing, he cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God. He's the one. Yeah, he'll make us stand. Right, he'll provide. Exactly. And the verse of Scripture that says, Be strong in the Lord. And what? And the power of His might. The power of His might. I know at least one person knows that verse of Scripture. He finished it. I think some of the rest of you do too. You just don't want to. But if you don't know it, you need to learn that one. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, when David walked out on the battlefield against Goliath, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the burning fiery furnace, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Uh, when Daniel was, was called upon to interpret a dream that he hasn't even heard, who's ever heard of something like that? You may tell you what you dreamed but you don't, and interpret it for you, but I don't know what it was you dreamed. Um, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. <clears throat> I was reading the article last week that um, said this. It said, we ought to write holiness unto the Lord on all that we possess. Holiness unto the Lord on all that we possess. We have no right, he said, to possess or use or wear anything on which we cannot write holy unto the Lord. Well, this, uh, the reason why I'm reading that is because the weaker brother, that's really what he's trying to do. You know, he's in the position where, like in the beginning of the chapter, where he's not able to eat what the stronger is able to eat. He's writing holiness unto the Lord upon not eating. Don't we read that here? And when we get to the days here, it says the one who keeps the day keeps it unto the Lord. The one that doesn't keep the day, he doesn't keep the day unto the Lord again, right? Writing holiness unto the Lord on all these things, whatever they may be. Um, He regards the day as unto the Lord. The other one doesn't regard the day. And under the Lord, he does not regard it. There's one that eats with thanksgiving unto the Lord, or he does not eat with thanksgiving. And unto the Lord, he does not eat. That's what it said to us there. So the governing principle, they're seeking, we're seeking to do all that we do to the glory of God. Can, can we stray too far one way or the other? Yeah, we can. You, can. you can begin to think you've got a little bit more liberty than you actually do. And something can become controlling like ping pong. Um, take too much liberty, you know, with something perhaps. Psalm 18, verse 35 and 36 says, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up. This part you may be more familiar with. And thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. Doesn't that all kind of fit along the lines of him making us stand? Our feet not slipping, him holding us up. So whatever spiritual strength we have, whatever spiritual strength we think we have, where would it come from? 
came from him, came from above. It's from the Lord. We become proud and self-satisfied. The Lord may withdraw some things in order to show us our need of him, um, thinking that we can do it, you know, ourselves. I mentioned the passage in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7 to you, but I'll read the rest of it. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? And if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou did not? As if you didn't receive it. If God didn't give you, it's yours all along. I mean, we talked about faith and where it comes from this morning. It's a gift of God. You know, boast in something? Boast in the Lord. Isn't that what Paul said? I'm going to make my boast. I'm going to make my boast in him. I'm not going to boast in myself, but I'll make my boast, you know, in him. Again, we may think we're strong, but again, we need to think about Peter. He thought he was, said he would die, but instead he denied. Um, We're going to make a boast. I mean, in that situation, the Lord says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, strengthen me that I not do that. I don't want to do that. I don't ever want to deny you. I, 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 don't, I don't ever want to say that I don't belong unto you. I don't ever want to be in a position where I can't boldly proclaim, you know, your name. Help me to stand that I not do that. But that wasn't where Peter was, was it? Peter was boldly in the position, I can stand. And he found out that he couldn't. So in these non-essential things, the Lord's able to make someone that you look at and think, hmm, they're really not coming out in that issue where they need to be. The Lord's able to make them stand. And it could become a problem, like I said, you know, where neglect of family, neglect of job, you know, became a real issue in a person's life. Um, but the Lord is, again, able to make you know, them to be able to stand. So, Lord, help us to look upon the things of one another, you know, rightly, graciously, compassionately. Help us to please Him in our actions towards one another and have that thing that we started with, how good, how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. You may, you may hate the color red. You know, I don't know. And somebody comes with a red jacket. I just hate that jacket every time you wear it, Sister Shelby. How awful. How awful that would be. Now, Sister Shelby would be gracious, I'm sure, and say, I'm sorry. And she'd probably never wear the red jacket again. I don't know. Um, but how we need to guard. You know, I know that's over the top. I can't imagine anybody here doing that. Um, you know, but how we need to guard our speech and our actions, how much of an influence do we have on each other? Um, how we need to be a help, not a hindrance, you know, to one another. So, Lord, help us to endeavor, endeavor, like the Scripture says, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, and the bond of peace in these things. Uh, because there are going to be differences. There are definitely going to be differences. You may not be able to do something somebody else is able to do, and you may think, because they do it, they can't be the Lord's. Um, well, you know, I need to think about that again. I need to consider that a little bit. I mean, it depends on what it is, I know. But, but just because you have um, you know, a problem in that area doesn't mean, you know, ping pong, let's go back to it again, doesn't mean they need to give that up, you know, too. So, 
Can you look back in your life? I can look back in my life and see some areas where I needed to be here in Romans 14 and I wasn't wasn't there. I was somewhere else. Um, So Lord help us to to be what he's called us to be here in this, you know, towards one another. Um, and, and remember and consider the fact that God is able to make them stand. Just because you fell in that area doesn't mean that they're going to fall uh, prey to ping pong becoming their life. Um, you know, I, there was a shirt, there is a shirt still, I think, that floats around our house because... Andrew at one time decided he was going to try his hand at screen printing. And someone that he knew wanted a shirt that said, had a, had a basketball goal and, and uh, you know, a net there and a, a basketball. It said, and it said, ball is life. That's what they wanted on it. And I understand that people make those kind of statements. Uh, I just said something recently in, in a family chat channel that we have because people were saying something about this is life or that's life. I'm like, okay. I can't take this anymore. I have to say something because that's not life. You know, Christ, you know, is our life. And, and one, one person said, well, I thought everybody knew I was just being sarcastic. I said, I knew you were, but my job is this. <laughs> my job is to point, you know, what life is, and that's not. But Christ is, you know. Um, so... That's, that's what we want to point one another towards, you know, Christ. Um, I mean, what, what problem could they have that that could not be the answer to, um, that we point them to Christ? Look to the Lord, brother. Look to the Lord, sister. He's able to make you stand. Um, he's able to help. Um, you, you, may, you may tell me you're beyond help. You may think you're beyond help. You may think that circumstances is beyond, you know, help, but it's not. Uh, the Lord's able to make you stand. You know, what does that look like? All my problems are over? No. It could be a believing, unbelieving marriage. You know, And the Lord's able to make that believing spouse stand. Able to make that believing spouse what the Scriptures have called that believing spouse to be in order, in hope to win the spouse unto the Lord. You know, So the Lord's able to make a stand. Um, have you ever been faced with something that you thought you couldn't do? A difficulty. The Lord's able to make you stand. Um, I told you about the situation, you know, at my last employment where they wanted to make me the manager of the office. And I'm like, Lord, I do not want to do that. I am not interested at all. I, that just is as far from me as I, 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 I just, I don't want. And the Lord kept weighing on me. And I'm like, Lord, that's what you want me to do. Uh, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. And then the Lord said, okay, I don't want you to do it. <laughs> and, and I ended up leaving that position and went and worked somewhere else, you know, where I am now. Um, but if I had, Brother Jerry, and I had my reasons why I didn't want to do that job. Now, there were people that said, oh, well, that just wasn't in your wheelhouse. No, it, 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 it was. Um, I would have had to really guard my temper every day because of some of the people I had to deal with. Um, but the Lord would have been able to make me stand you know, in that position. You know, he's been able to make Donnie stand in a position like that. I know he's over people you know, where he works. Um, and we can take encouragement. I didn't know Donnie then, you know, but we can take encouragement 
from others in those positions. Say, Lord, you, you enabled Donnie to be able to stand there. And this is what you called me to do. And this isn't the thing that I've decided to do, that I've endeavored to do, but the thing that you called me to do, then I know that you're able to make me stand. You know, whatever that may look like, it doesn't have to be, you know, a management position, you know, in the corporation. And it could be anything that's going on in any of our lives right now. Uh, whatever difficulties you're having, the Lord's able to make you stand and, and be what he's called you to be in the face of seeming insurmountable difficulties. He's able to make you stand. Um, you think about some of the people in Scripture that he made to stand. Um, you think about Moses standing before Pharaoh. That's, I mean, that's something when you, when you really get into it and think about it. That is something. I mean, there were times that Pharaoh was like, if I see your face again, you are a dead man. <laughs> um, but the Lord was able to make him stand. The Lord's able to make you stand and make me stand. So on that, let's stand. <laughs> let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Jerry said, there's some people I hadn't seen before. And then he was like, guess they haven't seen me either. <laughs> well, for those of you that haven't, we've, we've known the Sandbirds for a, a long time. I don't know how many years. Um, which, which baby would you go back to in your thoughts when you first knew us? Rebecca? Your baby. I thought my baby. <laughs> How many years would that be? You, you use yours. Yeah, how many years ago was that? Yeah. 15, 20 more? More than that, you think? Yeah. It's been a long time. We've known them. And they drive a long ways to come. You know. Rachel's 42. So probably longer than I think. We've known each other a long, long time. Yeah. So, Jerry and Linda Samford, if you haven't had a chance to meet them. You don't remember me? <laughs> From Bentley? You don't remember me? <laughs> I tried, you know, when, when Brother Conrad would stand up there, and I knew he was going to call on somebody to pray. I'd step behind. I'm going to use Carolyn right now. She can't see me. You know, I'd step behind somebody. So I might have been standing in the shadows. <laughs> I might have been. But it, at that point in my life, I wasn't real eager to pray in front of 300 people. Yeah. There were times that we had 300. Yeah. We'd count them, you know, because of the kitchen. Yeah. You might have missed that one. It didn't happen very often. <laughs> it's possible because the line, you remember the line to eat brunch. They had to take it all the way out through that second dining room and back up the sidewalk towards the sanctuary. <clears throat> oh, you didn't see the end of the line. <laughs> he was already in the front. <laughs> well, the first shall be last. <laughs> the last shall be first, right? Yeah. All right, well, let's go once again to the Lord in prayer. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us and thank the Lord for the meal?